You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello and welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is uh, sort of a March Madness edition, though we're going to talk mostly football here today. I'm Patrick Murphy, and if you're watching this, you can see I'm here with Dave Biddle. Dave, how are we doing on this? Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the first day of, of the NCAA tournament. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's one of the best sports days of the year. Some people say it's the best, um, you know, today and tomorrow. It's wall-to-wall college basketball. Um, I'm in, you know, like a millions of americans i'm in a i have a regular bracket filled out so i'm in a pool but i'm also in a, a player pool which i highly recommend i've heard about this. Obviously, obviously it's too late for people to do it now but like next year just keep it in mind yeah so what, what we do is we draft 10 players and you know from any team you want we have a draft and then those are your 10 players and then you have to balance it with you know you, and it's just based on how many points they score you know, it's just based on how many points they score. So, uh, you know, I don't need to get too far into the weeds, but I highly recommend doing a player pool. We do 10 players and there's 10 total teams. So 100 guys get drafted. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually asked a buddy of mine if he could sub for my soccer team on Tuesday. And he's like, no, I've got a NCAA tournament draft. And I was like, what the heck is that? He explained <laughs> it all to me. It does sound like a fun idea. Uh, I am actually at Zaftig, uh, Italian brewery i've been recorded here before but uh, i figured get to the bar now before the chaos starts uh, i also have a soccer game to watch later so get there do this from here i've got one of their fine beers here for the happy hour what, what are you drinking dave anything nothing yet just just waiting for the games to start. water just water so yeah. far 
All right, let's dive into the, the football because that's what people are mostly here for, not to talk about the the March Madness, the men's March Madness tournament that the team did not make. Dave, last week we kicked off spring practice. We're now on a hiatus because these kids need to go on spring break, have a good time. You, We were both there on Tuesday. We, we talked about that last week on the happy hour. Thursday, you handled it on your own as Steve and I were in Chicago covering the Buckeyes run. You talked wide receivers and linebackers, including Brian Hartline. Um, we've written a handful of things on this already, but was there any one or two things that stood out to you initially, just generally, and then we'll get more into the weeds with the, the various positions? Yeah, I would say that um... – the second-year wide receivers, the guys entering their second year, the rising sophomores, rising redshirt freshmen, they've been put on notice yeah. by Ryan Day. And, and um, usually Brian Hartline's maybe a little bit more harsh, I would say. You know, he, he wasn't even quite as harsh as Ryan, Ryan Day was. I mean, and I don't know if, if you thought Ryan Day's comments were harsh, but um, he definitely put the second-year wide receivers on notice. There's no doubt about that. Um, and talked up the true freshmen. That's the other um, – you know, point I wanted to make, you know, along with the, the second year guys is they're really impressed with um, the freshmen that have enrolled early. And then you still have Brandon Ennis coming in, who some might think might be the best of the group, but um, they really like the, the early enrollee of uh, wide receiver uh, group. And uh, we'll see. I, I, I definitely think at least one of the sophomore wide receivers will transfer after spring, um, you know, and, and we'll see who that is. But I, I, I fully expect a, a wide receiver. And then one of the you know, third or fourth year offensive lineman that, that's really not in the mix. I, I expect one of those guys to transfer as well. Yeah, I wrote about that that exact topic of the second year wide receivers yesterday. And looking into this between Caleb Brown, Keon Grays, Caleb Burton, and Kojo Antwi, they played a combined 67 total snaps last year, caught two passes for seven yards. So, and, and that was kind of the point of my story is, the last four years prior to last season, there's been a freshman wide receiver who's stepped up by at least the end of the year. We saw it with Chris Olave late against Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game, Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., and, and none of those guys did that. Now, some of that may be because of guys staying healthy uh, for the most part, though Jackson Smith and Jigba was obviously out most of the season, and just the talent in the room. But the fact that we didn't see much of those guys – I think speaks to what Ryan Day, like you said, is is talking about with these wide receivers. And then, you know, you, you have an opportunity now this spring with Mecca Buka out, Julian Fleming out, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Xavier Johnson, both not limited, but, but Ryan Day said they're going to be smart with those guys given they've played a lot of football. But then you add in these three freshmen that are already on campus and it's it's an interesting situation. I, I would not be surprised, like you said, Dave, if, if one of these guys were to elect by the end of spring to go elsewhere because they are very talented. They were all top 30 players at their position coming out of uh, high school. And so there's, there's certainly reason to believe that these guys can play at this level. But it's almost Ohio State falling a bit of a victim to its own success in the wide receiver room because you just have so much talent. You keep bringing in the talent and Brian Hartland did mention, you know, this was no different than when Marvin Harrison was and Emeka Buka were pushing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. The difference is those guys found a way to get on the field a little bit their freshman year, and this class didn't. So if you had to guess, Dave, is there one that you think has – I guess let's put it this way. Of those four, is there one guy that you think is – seems more of a lock to be a Buckeye that, that can contribute – 
here down the road as opposed to the other end of, of the spectrum and transferring? Who might have the most success of those four in your mind? Yeah, I would guess Caleb Brown. Um, and if I had to guess who's going to transfer, maybe I'd go with the other Caleb, Caleb Burton. But I think Caleb Brown, based on – may have gotten hurt, it sounds like. Yeah, and I think, you know, he already um, – I don't know how much in the plans he was going to be. Hopefully it's not a serious injury. Very nice young man. Um, he just was a, you know, big-time recruit. And if he's not in the plans, he's a guy that I could see, um, you know, transferring. If he doesn't feel like he's in the plans after spring. Now, if he's hurt, different story because maybe he's thought he'd be in the plans. But if he's able to – finish off spring healthy and he's not in the plans. And I, that's a kid I could see uh, looking elsewhere. I'll go with Caleb Brown because, you know, talking to Heartline, um, I asked about Caleb Brown and what his role could be. And I said, you know, could he help in the slot? And he said, yeah, if he, if he, you know, earns, you know, a role on the offense, it'll be in the slot. That's where he can help. He's a converted running back from high school for those right. who don't know. Um, I mean, he was recruited as a, as a wide receiver. When I say converted running back, he was a running back in high school who was recruited all along as a wide receiver. So he can help in the slot. Will that be this year? Probably not unless there's injuries to guys ahead of him. Um, but he's a guy that can help in the slot. But uh, Brian Hartline made it clear he's a guy that can really help on special teams, like as a return man, you know, on coverage units. And so they feel like there's definitely a, not just a role, but perhaps a big role for Caleb Brown on special teams and then you know that could lead into uh you know uh, you know we'll see maybe a significant role on offense down the line I, I i don't foresee that happening this year uh keon grays is a guy that's that's filled out he was he enrolled early last year um you know was a high school all-american and came in about 170 pounds he's about 185 he's, he's really filled out not a big guy but still you can definitely tell that he spent over a year working with mickey marotti in that strength program so i could see him maybe carving out a role in the future again it's gonna be really tough this year the only reason marvin harrison jr even played as a true freshman is because those guys sat out the rose bowl i mean think about yeah. it he wouldn't have even seen the field he might be the best receiver we've seen come through here and he wouldn't have even seen the field at all as a true freshman if it wasn't for those guys sitting out the rose bowl i mean garrett wilson played a decent amount as a true freshman olave didn't play until the michigan game really his freshman year i mean it's tough brian hartline if those guys stay healthy I mean, you're, it's going to be tough sledding, not just for the second-year guys, but Jaden Ballard is a third-year guy. He could be on the outside looking in unless there's injuries. In fact, I think he will be. Brian Hartline's pretty much proven if you're not in the top three or four, you're not going to play unless, you know, it's garbage time. So if Marvin Harrison, Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson stay healthy, those are going to be your four. Everybody else is going to be outside looking in, including those true freshmen that they like unless they completely do something different this year, which now Brian Hartline's the offensive coordinator. I don't see him, you know, switching his philosophy. Now, he doesn't come out and say that that's his philosophy, but he doesn't need to. We have years of proof. Like I said, I just went through all these big-time receivers that have come, that have come through here um, and some that are still here. It's hard to get on the field as a true freshman, and it's really hard to get on the field as a wide receiver for Ohio State. It's really hard to get on the field if you're not in that top three, and, top three or four. So, We'll see what happens. They're stacked at wide receiver. It's a great problem to have. Um, and those true freshmen, I mean, guys like Noah Rogers, you know, Brandon Ennis when he gets here, Carnell Tate, Bryson Rogers, those guys, I think, you know, at least two, maybe three of them are going to be really good players. But, you know, be patient, Buckeye fans. You know, they're, they're behind some really, really stud players this year, especially with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. I think it's interesting what you were just saying about Hartline because when he first stepped into that wide receiver coach role, it was the year where they did play six-ish receivers, really four starting receivers in Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, and K.J. Hill, and then Benjamin Victor and 
Austin Mack kind of featured in a, a little bit at the end there, but they haven't, they haven't done that as much recently, despite having even more talent. Um, and Hartland's talked about it. Like you said, Dave, that the guys that deserved to play are going to play. He was a receiver that played at Ohio state and he wanted to be on the field as much as possible. So he understands where, look, if you earn your way into those starting three spots, why not keep them out there as, as long as you can go. But it, what makes that even more um, impressive on, on Heartland's part is, yeah, they've had guys that have transferred. They've had Jamison Williams. They had Mookie Cooper um, guys leave the program. But for the most part, these guys have stayed, got better, and waited their time. I mean, Julian Fleming, whether you agree with the ranking or not at this point, was the number one ranked, ranked receiver in the country. He's going into his senior year, and only last year did he really have like a, a legitimate role but he's stayed now injuries have certainly played a part in his career, but for the most part, Heartline has had success despite not rotating as many guys, which to me is, is a, a positive for the program because guys are willing to come in, they're willing to compete and they're willing to, to wait. And like you just said, with that freshman class, they may have to do that despite how talented they are, I think. Um, but speaking of that freshman class, what about these guys stand out? I know we haven't seen a ton and Heartline didn't talk a ton about the freshmen, but but in your mind, what's the most impressive about this group coming in? Which I think three of the the top four got three of the four guys are top ten players. Uh, what what stands out about them to you? Yeah, and only Bryson Rogers is not top ten wide receiver, and they they really like him as well. He's got Dude, great speed. Yeah. He's probably underrated. He was a three star when they landed him. Everybody's like, oh wait a minute, Heartline is going out of his way to, to get this kid. Maybe he's a little better than what we think. Um, and he's the lowest rated of the four. Yeah, I mean, I love, even though he's not here yet, I love Brandon Ennis's film. I think he's going to be a perfect fit for the slot again, eventually. I'm not, now you never know. I'm saying these guys, you know, down the line is when they're going to make their mark. You, you, you never know. Uh, you never know. Maybe one of these guys will play a lot as a true freshman, but Noah Rogers is a guy that I really like. Um, he's every bit of six foot two out there. I mean, he looks, he, he is, he looks, he reminds me a little bit of, I'm not saying he's going to play corner. Um, and, and also return kicks and do a little bit of everything. He reminds me a little bit of Chris Gamble when I see him out there, the way he moves um, and his size, you know, not extremely big, but also, you know, tall enough, just has that football player vibe about him. And um, he's a playmaker. Uh, I like Arnell Tate. These guys look like they're like second or third year players, not guys that should still be in high school. These guys should still be in high school technically. Um, so they really stand out. I mean, Noah Rogers to me and Carnell Tate, they look more like grown men than they do kids. And technically they're still kids. So yeah, that's, that's the thing that stands out. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous group. Last year wasn't quite up to Heartline standards. And it was still a good group, a good group of four. This is again, I mean, this is why Heartline's the best at what he does as far as recruiting wide receivers, this group of four, I, I have very high expectations for them. Let's talk about the returning guys, even though, People know a lot about him. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. was talking about how he feels like you can always get better. And I think the question is, like, what does better look like coming off of a season that he just had? Uh, Hartline, as you wrote yesterday, believes anybody with eyes could see that he should have won the Bolitnikoff. Uh, I think if you look at his and uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee's stats, that they're pretty comparable. Now, uh, yeah, I think you can make the argument either way, but – if if Brian or if Marvin Harrison Jr. excuse me refines what he does and, and Hartline talked about like getting better is is chasing the guys that are beyond the program at this point and guys in the NFL and 
you know, working on the the things that you're already doing, enhancing them and stuff like that. But like, how, how in your mind is a Marvin Harrison Jr. put together a better season than what he did as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, Coach Hartline talked about it and went through like a little bit of everything. Like Marvin himself was a little bit more direct. You know, he said, again, yeah. there's like, you get better at route running, little little things like, you know, not that they're little things, route running's obviously a big part of being a wide receiver, but he's already a good route runner. He can refine that. He, there's different things he can do. Uh, what I found interesting is he pinpointed one thing in particular. He wants to be a bigger threat after catching the ball. And, um, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, you got to be thrilled about that because he's already pretty damn good at that. Um, and that's the thing he wants to be elite at. And you're right. I mean, you talk to Brian Hartline and he's saying, you know, Marvin Harrison is not trying to um, just be the best wide receiver in college. He He's chasing guys like his father. He wants to one day be in Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That, that's what he's chasing. Um, and not that he's not focused on Ohio State right now. I mean, he, he's definitely where – Another quote that Hartline likes likes to use is uh, he is where his feet are and, uh, you know, be where your feet are. So Marvin's locked in is the feeling I get for his what's going to be his final year at Ohio State. And, um, yeah, I mean, just enjoy it, Buckeye fans, because he's special. We've seen a lot of special ones come through here. Um, you got guys that I really respect, like Joel Klatt. I shouldn't say guys. I think he's the only one that I've heard actually say this. But you have a, a guy that I really respect, like Joel Klatt, who says, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL in five years. And Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson, who I hang out with all the time, they don't agree with that. Okay, I never hang out with them. But they don't agree with that. But think about that. If, if that is even close to true, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL in five years. Just because Joel Klatt says it doesn't mean it's going to be true. But let's say he's never even close to that. He might be the best that we've seen come through here. And we've seen tons of great wide receivers come through here. So he's special. And I, we don't talk about Emeka Ibuka enough. I mean, he ha, he's coming off a – he was over 1,000 yards. You know, he's electric after the catch. I mean, those two are going to be absolutely – I mean, they were dynamite this past year, but it was always kind of the Jackson Smith and Jigba cloud over the wide receiver room. Like, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? What are we going to do with this? Coming into the season, they had all kinds of stuff planned for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, this year, hopefully they can stay healthy. I mean, those guys are just going to – even top what they did last year, in my opinion. I mean, it's going to be tough, I guess, when you don't have C.J. Stroud, but I firmly believe whoever wins the quarterback battle is going to have not just a good year, but a great year. Not necessarily Heisman finalists, although it won't surprise me if they are, but like first-team All-Big Ten type, second-team All-Big Ten at the very worst. I think either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever wins that job, and I think it's going to be Kyle McCord, will have a great year. Uh, not, not the C.J. Stroud level, but – Short story long, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka are going to be even better than what they were last year. I wanted to touch on Emeka Buka, so you took us right there because, look, you look at his numbers, and I think this just gets lost in, in what Marvin Harrison did. 74 catches to Marvin Harrison Jr., 77. He had 1,151 1, receiving yards. Marvin Harrison Jr. had 1,263. 14 touchdowns for Marvin Harrison, 10 for Emeka Buka. Mecca Buka was playing with what I think is a shoulder injury that he had surgery on after the season. That's why he's not out in the spring. A healthy Mecca Buka, if he's fully healthy for a season, I mean, he had almost the same numbers as, as Marvin Harrison Jr. He could have been in that Bolitnikoff conversation too. Now it's very rare that you see two guys mentioned in, in that light, um, but Look, I think I think we aren't talking about him enough, as as you kind of said there, Dave. Because again, this was the top ranked receiver, if I remember correctly, in his class. 
He uh, has shown the ability to do some pretty impressive things. If he's healthy, if Marvin Harrison Jr. stays healthy, what do defenses do? I mean, when you have those two guys, plus, you know, you add in Julian Fleming, you can bring Xavier Johnson in. We talked about some of those younger guys. What do you do with, with these receivers if you're secondary, opposing secondary? I mean, good luck. You better have one of the best secondaries in the country and a really good front, yeah. too, that's going to get pressure on the quarterback. And then maybe that's what you're thinking if you're a defensive coordinator. If you've got a really good front, maybe – and you, maybe if you have, like, a decent secondary but a really good front, you, you got to get after this new offensive line for Ohio State. I mean, they got both guards coming back, but um, two new tackles and a new center. And that's going to be interesting. You know, if they uh, – I think if Josh Fryer stays healthy, I think he's going to do well at left tackle, but I don't like the depth there at all. We all know they went after offensive tackles, plural, in the uh, transfer portal and didn't get any offensive tackles. They did get Vic Cutler, uh, to who can play center or guard. I mean, he can play tackle. He played left tackle last year at Louisiana Monroe, but he's not going to play left tackle at Ohio State at six foot three. Um, I guess it's good he could play in an emergency out there. But the point is, I don't like the depth of tackle. Now, I will say at right tackle, I, I do like Tegra Shabola and Zen Mahalski. But again, I don't, I don't love the depth overall we're talking about they've got Josh Fryer at left tackle and they got a pretty good battle at right tackle um but those guys don't have much experience and then what if they have injuries there then they're in big trouble so we'll see what happens but yeah I think um Ohio State's going to be electric on offense this year I believe in Justin Fry as an offensive line coach so that'll help but um yeah I mean it's going to be really really tough sledding for defenses unless you've got a great secondary and or a great front that can get after this offensive line and put pressure on McCord or perhaps number 33, Devin Brown. But again, I think it's I'm, – I'm to the point now where I'm, I'm pretty – I think most people are here anyway. I was kind of a little bit more skeptical, I guess, during the, the season last year, who would be the starting quarterback this coming year. Now, I'll be very, very surprised if it's not Kyle McCord. And I, I say that as somebody who likes Devin Brown a lot. I just think it's – again, I'll be surprised if it's not Kyle McCord. I'll just leave it at that. Excuse me. This beer is uh, messing with my – digestive system there um let's flip over to the the defensive side of the ball and the linebackers it's a similar situation with the two returning starters and tommy eichenberg and steel chambers back and a lot of talent uh some rather young behind them right now tommy eichenberg is not working in spring so that gives an opportunity to some of those guys to step into a bigger role in practice is there a way in your mind that Ohio State figures out how to get a C.J. Hicks, uh, you know, some of these other linebackers onto the field more than they did a year ago? Or is this, once again, going to be the, the Tommy Eichenberg Steel Chamber show for the most part in 2023? It's going to be the Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chamber show again. I and think so, too. C.J. Hicks is the one guy that I could see them mixing in a little bit and taking Steel Chambers off the field. But, again – we're going to hear a lot of lip service about that. Yeah, we're going to rotate more in the back seven. No, they won't. Jim Knowles does not rotate in the back seven, okay? He's got the same philosophy that Brian Hartline does. We were talking about this earlier. What, what did Brian Hartline say? And you alluded to this. Uh, Brian Hartline says, listen, if I have to take Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field, that means you got to go in there and play just as good as him. Or why right. am I taking him off the field for you, right? So that's Jim Knowles' philosophy, too. Why am I taking Steel Chambers off the field? Now, they might feel like, okay, C.J. Hicks is now to the point where He's giving you it because it's not like Steel Chambers is like an All-American. No one's playing a middle linebacker other than Tommy. I mean, he's that's Tommy. Doesn't matter if Tommy has broken hands, which he did, and like a shoulder injury, which he did, and all this other stuff. Tommy's not coming off the field unless he's got like a torn ACL, and he still he probably would like you know tape it he'd up. Fight or it. 
put a little, yeah. put a little dirt on it, you know, rub some dirt on it and get it back in there. Um, so Tommy's not coming off the field. And if I had to bet, I think CJ Hicks next year will be a starter, meaning 2024, but we'll have fans that are hoping to see him out there a lot this year will probably be disappointed. I don't see him maybe playing as much as people think as a sophomore. Um, but I certainly think he's going to be a stud down the road um, and will be a starter in 2024. Maybe he, again, maybe he will mix in and, you know, rotate with steel chambers a little bit, but Pat, I'll believe that when I see it, Knowles's philosophy is the starters are starters for a reason, both the linebackers and the secondary. So no, I think we're going to see this. And by the way, uh, Tommy and Steeler now are a a year older. They've been in the system now, like theoretically they should be even better. Now, C.J. Hicks, you could say, you know, players make their biggest jump from freshman to sophomore. So he should, he'll be better, too. I get that. But, I mean, they didn't really take Steele off the field that much last year. We know Tommy's not leaving the field. So it's now with the, you know, basically now two years of starting under his belt because he was kind of a starter the previous year, too. Yeah, I, I think Steele's probably going to, you know, play just as much, maybe more than he did last year. Yeah, looking, I'm looking at the, uh, the snap counts courtesy of our good friend Dan Hope over at 11 Warriors. And uh, Tommy played 761 snaps. Steele played 687. Then it was Cody Simon, 233. But what's interesting is early in the season, Steele and Cody Simon. Now, some of these games obviously got out of hand. But like the Notre Dame game, for instance, Steele played 26 snaps. Cody Simon played 25. Um, the, they were still trying to figure it out then. Yep. Yeah. Toledo, yep. Wisconsin. Wisconsin was really the game where, where Steele took over, 48-16. to 16, And from there, he dominated the snap counts for the rest of the season. Uh, Cody Simon's interesting because I thought when he had his opportunity, he played all right last year. It was just a matter of Steele played better. And so I'll be interested to see. I do agree. I think you have to find some kind of role for C.J. Hicks after he didn't play a single defensive snap last year. And I think he's a patient kid. I don't, I don't not worried about him bolting from this program, especially being an Ohio guy. They've talked maybe that that he could play some at the Jack. I think that's interesting. I'd like to see what that looks like with a linebacker playing it. But I also am, I'm still not entirely convinced that you need a Jack role as much at a place like Ohio state as you did at some of Jim Knowles' other stops but that's a whole different conversation. But I do think getting CJ Hicks on the field is important at some points this season, maybe not as important as a guy like Sonny Styles, but I do think he, he can impact a defense. And this isn't a defense that can just stick to what it did last year. You know, the, in the biggest games, they weren't good enough. And not that I'm putting that on either of those two linebackers, but you got to find ways to get your best talent on the field. And I think CJ Hicks is, is among that. Um, if you look at any of the other guys, where should Buckeye, aside from the few that we've mentioned, where should Buckeye fans maybe be excited about what's coming? Because there is some depth there, but it's, it's not a lot of names that, that we know besides the three that we've mentioned. At linebacker? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really the four, you know, that we've mentioned, right? I mean, so you got Tommy, you got Steele, CJ Hicks, and then Cody Simon. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be well, right now. I mean, Cody Simon has an opportunity now to rep at middle linebacker in spring with Tommy missing spring. Um, Reed Carrico, they, they said they're moving him around to different spots. And um, I didn't get a chance to talk to Reed because there was so much going on. We had, we had wide receivers and linebackers and Heartline all at the same time. And it was just like very chaotic. And I, I, uh, 
spent most of my time with I, I, I was I was with Heartline for the entire 26 minutes. It was so good, but um, understandable. But, but I did see like some of what Reed said, and I give him credit. He's being uh, patient. He's now entering his third year. Um, really hasn't played much. You know, he was a big time recruit uh, from a you know, from Ironton, smaller school, but really good football tradition down there in the river. Ohio rivers, J book calls them river rats. He's allowed to say that because J books from Portsmouth. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Reed Carrico. He's another guy I'm keeping an eye on. Gabe powers now entering his second year. He's definitely filled out. He was telling me last year he came in, even though he's listed at two 30, he was he said, I was really like two fifteen when I enrolled. And uh, now he looks like he's more like two 30, two 35. Um, I think he's, he's listed at two 35. So um We'll see. Again, Gabe Powers is another guy. I don't think he's going to be in the plans this year unless they have like a bunch of injuries. But he's a guy yeah. um, that definitely has a lot of talent. So, you know, those are the guys. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Gabe Powers and, and Reed Carrico and C.J. Hicks, those are the guys that like spring that it's important for them to show that they, you know, C.J. Hicks can like even if they're not planning on him having a role, a big role. Now, Knowles talked about it a little bit because we asked him, you know, it, it sounds like they're going to try and find a role for C.J. Hicks. As you said, they need to. I agree with that. Um, cause he's so talented. Um, some of those other guys, I mean, maybe, uh, Reed Carrico is not in the plans, but he's going to show him this spring. Okay. Well, now we got to find a way to get Reed on the field or is Reed going to enter his third year and still not get on the field other than special teams. Um, but, you know, probably the latter, right? Probably the latter, but hopefully he stays patient. He still has three years of eligibility left. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got some decent depth there, I guess. They got Arvell Reese coming in. That helps. We only play two linebackers. Yeah. We don't need a ton of depth. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're in a good spot there overall. I mean, Tommy coming back is huge. That's huge. For some reason, Whipler was not on my radar. Tommy, I was a little worried about, I was thinking he'd come back. His brother was in a similar situation. He came back for a fifth year at Notre Dame. They don't play the same position. Um, but Tommy's a guy that could have been like, he wouldn't have gone early. You know, middle linebackers don't go early unless you, you, know, you run like a crazy 40 or, you know, you can right. jump out of the gym. That's not Tommy. But he would have been probably, what, a third-round pick, something like that? Somebody would have wanted a tough, hard-nosed guy like that in the third round, no later than that, I would think. So Tommy coming back is absolutely huge. So I feel pretty good about the linebacking group. Speaking of guys who came back when maybe they could have gone to the NFL, uh, James Laurinaitis is essentially the linebacker's coach of this team um, mm-hmm. in title. That's not what he's listed as. He's probably not getting paid what linebackers coaches, but comes back to Ohio state from Notre Dame where he spent one season. We touched on him when it, when he was first hired, but the impact that he can make on this room, what he's still learning as a coach. He's a young coach, which is why he isn't, you know, they, well, he might be the full-time linebackers coach if they had a not unlimited positions, but he, he's going to learn under Jim Knowles, but he's essentially going to run this room. What kind of impact do you think he makes just being James Laurinaitis? We can get to the coaching, what he can add as a coach, but like being James Laurinaitis, the multiple time All-American, won a bunch of awards. The fact that he's back in that building working with these guys, how much of an impact can that make on, on these guys, especially maybe some of those younger guys you mentioned who, who could use some of his wisdom on this defense? The instant respect factor. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean, these guys, th- this is what they want to be. I mean, Knowles was talking about like in a linebacker room, you know, there's a picture of James Lauren, a huge picture of him in there, all American. It's got to be weird, there. right? If you, AJ Hawking, you... stuff like that. Yeah. Knowles loves it. You know, like, I, like you mentioned, they, and, and James talked about this too. I mean, it's, it's clear. He is the linebackers coach. Like don't get caught up in titles. Even James said kind of like, I'm, even though I'm technically a GA, it's kind of like kind of a throwaway line. It's like, yeah, anybody, 
I think most people listening to the show probably know that or watching the show already know that. If you don't know it, I mean, James Laurinaitis is the linebacker coach, as Pat just said. I mean, it's not like he's like a graduate assistant. Like, he is in title, but he'll be running the linebacker room. And Jim Knowles will be in there as well, but just gives Jim Knowles a little bit more freedom, you know, to, you know, look at the entire defense. Not that he already did, and just gives him a little bit more freedom. Um, you got a guy like James Laurinaitis in there that, you know, these, this is what these guys want to be at Ohio State and in the NFL as well. I mean, he's the all-time, I believe, still leads your Rams all-time in tackles, the all-time tackler, um, you know, for the St. Louis Rams when he was there. Now, uh, I believe they play in L.A. I can't remember. Um, kidding. Were they in the Super Bowl a couple years ago? And that's my Bengals. By the way, shout out to Orlando Brown Jr. You made a great decision to come to, to Cincinnati. Love you, big guy. Um, protecting Joe Burrow's blind side. So, How often do you um, hang out with him? Yeah, exactly. Six foot eight, three seventy. I love it. Um, James Lauren, I, I absolutely love it. I didn't like that he went to Notre Dame. I was like, this – I don't like – I know him and Marcus Freeman are like buddies, but I was just like, it's too bad they can't find a role at Ohio State for him. Well, one year later, Ryan Day did, and um, I absolutely love it. I think he's going to, you know, get the best out of those guys. And, um, yeah, he brings that that instant respect factor. Well, if you've ever talked to James, uh, I'm sure many people have heard him when he did stuff for BTN or locally in Columbus when he was on The Fan. But if you've ever, like, talked football with that guy, just talk to him in general. I mean, he commands the room. He, he, he's great at that, um, you know, just you can see why he was middle linebacker, like captain of the defense type of player. But if you talked football with him, I mean, most guys who played at that level can talk ball and talk at it at a higher level than probably both you and I put together. But, but James explains it really well. He, he explains it in a way that I think – he understands probably because he's done the TV stuff, he's done the radio stuff, and he's also been in an NFL locker room. He can explain it to somebody who's just getting started with the sport. Obviously, that doesn't um, that doesn't matter for Buckeyes, but he can also talk it at the highest level. And one of the things he talked about was like realizing that the freshman coming in, maybe not you have to handle that differently than the guy who's been there three, four years, right? And so. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that helps with the development. I think every coach has to come upon that at some point in their career, but I was impressed that he is already grasping that, look, you can't just be like, you can't handle it the same way you would have had you been talking to your boys in the NFL locker room about, okay, here's, here's what we need to do. You have to sometimes dumb it down a little bit. That's not the right term, but simplify it a little bit as guys grow and develop into that. And, and I think that's going to help guys. I really think he can, he can be a big tool for Tommy Eichenberg. And, you know, we were just talking about how does Marvin Harrison Jr. Build on the year he had Tommy Eichenberg was the first guy for a hundred plus tackles since I believe Raekwon McMillan. Is that right? Does that sound right to you? Sounds right to me. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly was, that was the best middle linebacker play we've seen since Raekwon. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's correct. So like, if you're Tommy, how do you then build on that? Well, talk with James Laurinaitis, who's in your position room now. Um, anything else from the any of the linebacker video or any linebacker interviews that, that stood out to you? Um, I know you were all over the place that day because we left just high and dry. But uh, anything else that people should note from, from what uh, those guys said? Well, I have a mea culpa. I gave you and Steve Hellwagon all kinds of hell. I'm like, why are you guys going to Chicago 
to cover this basket, basketball team just to see them lose yeah. to Wisconsin in the game of shame. And they make it all the way to the semifinals. You guys didn't bring enough underwear. You're turning your underwear inside out, and it's disgusting. Uh, I'm like, just go to the store. What, and buy a, what underwear? underwear? What's, wrong, what's wrong with you guys? What um, underwear? <laughs> going commando. That was funny. There was actually like a thread on Bucknuts about it. Like, someone, we need to go fund me for Steve and Pat. They, they need new clothes. And they, there's no way they pack for five days. But no, um, what stood out? I mean, really, not much other than what we've already talked about. You know, okay. we're going to get, again, there was lip service about, yeah, we might, you know, rotate a little bit more this year. No, they won't. No, they won't. I'll believe it when I say it. Again, with the caveat, maybe CJ Hicks. But as you pointed out early in the season, they were still trying to figure out who the will was. They knew Tommy was was the Mike. No doubt about that from, from the get. They knew that last spring. They were still trying to figure out, was it Steele or was it Cody? Was it Steele or Cody? And Steele ended up winning that job. So, I mean, C.J. Hicks is gonna, now, now going to have to get past, even though Cody Simon's playing middle linebacker, we know he can play well. That's what he played last year. So C.J. Hicks is not only going to have to beat out Steele Chambers for playing time, he's also going to have to beat out Cody Simon. Now, C.J. Hicks is a five former five-star. He's absolutely talented enough to do that. Again, if I had a bet, I think C.J. Hicks will be a starter in 2024. Won't have a big role in the defense this year unless Steel Chambers gets hurt. But it won't shock me, I guess, if if C.J. Hicks, you know, can push Steel Chambers for playing time. But, again, I'll believe it when I see it because Jim Knowles has the same philosophy as Brian Hartline, as I said. You know, the starters are starters for a reason. If I'm going to take this guy off the field, you got to be just as good as him. And maybe C.J. Hicks will be just as good as, as Steel Chambers or better. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what the good problem you want to have. It's what Ohio State's had for quite a few years now in offense. You want to have this at defensive positions. This is, you know, you look at Georgia's roster and guys get hurt. The next guy steps in or the guy leaves for the NFL or graduates. The next guy steps in. This is what you want on defense. You want to have these issues where you can talk about the depth at these positions. And, and hopefully the Buckeyes are starting to build that um, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Because as Steve Hellwagon has pointed out, there hasn't been enough talent paid to the defensive side of the ball uh, really the last few years. I mean, there's there's definitely dudes. We can talk about C.J. Hicks. We can talk about Sonny Styles, the emergence of, of some of the guys, but there hasn't been the, the consistent quality in terms of the recruiting on, on that side of the ball. You hope that changes here soon, and, and, and I think you're starting to see that become a bigger focus now that that's bitten the Buckeyes here um, multiple times. All right, Dave, let's, let's shift over unless you have anything more football you want to hit on on this one. And, and let's quickly do some March Madness thoughts. You, uh, you do a show about uh, Vegas and odds and betting and all that stuff. So I assume you are the expert. Who is going to win the NCAA tournament? I don't. First of all, I'm I'm not I'm definitely not an expert, uh, and you don't have to say Vegas anymore, man. You can just say Columbus. You can say that's Columbus. true. I guess you can do it everywhere. No, I mean, it's so I do the same thing. It's like Ve- according to Vegas, and I have to remember according to like it, uh, no, according to anywhere now, right? Not anywhere, but finally yeah. Ohio is with the times. <laughs> gambling is legal, and yes, I do host a uh, show here on ninety-seven point one, the Fan in Columbus, twice a week called On the Money, and um, yeah, it's about sports gambling. So. If you're a degenerate, you'll really like the show. If you're an upstanding individual, you probably would not like the show. And I don't have a high level of confidence in this, but I have Texas winning it all. Again, I say that like almost laughing because I I don't remember it ever being this wide open. Here's another thing. I'm usually a chalk guy, and I don't apologize for it. Um, It's worked out well for me in pools before. 
Um, I'm not chalk this year. I, I've never done this. I don't have a one seed in the final four. Obviously, you have wow. Texas in the final four. I have UConn making it as a four. They have four seed. Um, yeah, UConn as a four seed I have making the final four. They look like the best team in the country early in the year. Maybe they can recapture it. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Purdue makes it, but I don't have Purdue making it. I have Marquette making it out of that region. And then I have Baylor upsetting Alabama in the Elite Eight. So I have Baylor, Marquette, Texas, UConn, and then I have Texas winning it all. So we'll see what happens. But don't – so my here, here's what I'd say to the listeners and viewers out there. Definitely don't take Texas to win it all since I'm taking them because you know that's not going to happen if I have them winning it all. So do the opposite. Pull a George Costanza and do the opposite of what I say. What's your biggest upset that you've got in this bracket? Oh, or maybe even one that you thought about. Oh, I got, I've got Drake making it to, I've got Drake making it to the sweet 16, the 12 seeded Drake. So I have them beating Miami and then I have Drake beating Indiana, which frankly, neither one of those is going to be that big of an upset if they happen. I don't think that Miami, I think Miami's favored by like two over Drake, but just having a 12 seed in the, in the, in the sweet 16. Let's see, do I have any other like big upsets? I mean, I guess I got a four seed making the final four. I don't know if that's really considered yeah. a huge upset in UConn. Um, we'll see what happens. But um, is this year the year Purdue can put it all together and actually make the final four? Probably not. Probably not. They're, they're like a one-man band. They've got Zach Eady, who's a monster. If he gets in foul trouble, they're done. Their freshman guards are not going to hold up against some of these teams. So we'll see. Well, it's always fun. I haven't filled out a March Madness bracket in years. I, it's, it's sort of my feeling with gambling. Like I watch these games anyway and enjoy them so much that I would fill these out or I would bet on teams or whatever it was. And I would just get more angry about what's going on. So I stopped, I don't know, a handful of years ago. I was like, I'm not going to fill out a bracket this year. And I just enjoyed the tournament, like watching the upsets and things. Like I just enjoyed it so much more. So I haven't filled out a bracket in years. Uh, the one story that I do really like from this tournament, I don't know how it'll play out, but the final four is in Houston, Houston, pretty good at basketball this year. And, uh, the man calling the final four in Houston, whose name just escaped my mind, works for CBS, uh, Jim, Nance. The Jim Nance. There we go. Uh, Hello, went friend. to Houston. Yeah, he went to Houston. So it would be very serendipitous if Houston at least made a run to the national championship game with Jim Nance calling his alma mater in the, in the national, in his final NCAA tournament game. I think that would be, that would be quite the story if that were to play out that way. Um, honestly, I've only seen Houston play a couple of times. I know they're big athletic guards. So yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. The Their best team. players hurt. Now he's going to yeah. play, but Marcus Sasser has a groin injury. Now I'm, I, I, I bet he's, he's even going to play in there. I, I thought they might sit him against Northern Kentucky you can't beat Northern Kentucky without your top player, are you really the best team in the tournament? Right. Um, but there's talk that they might not take any chances. You might say that it is a chance playing him, but it's not take any – like, no, Marcus Sasser is going to play. That would give me a little trepidation. I mean, Houston, great defensive team. You're right. They're big and athletic. Um, great defensive team, Kelvin Sampson. But, um, man, I mean, all it takes is like, you know, something like that. Even if he's cleared to play, it could be like a Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know it's a different type of injury, but like yeah. a lot like a hamstring, your groin injury is something you can easily re-injure. You slip and fall one time, or you, you turn the wrong way on the court. All of a sudden, you're without your best player. That's another reason I picked Texas. I, I looked into it. 
Um, I have Texas upsetting Houston. Houston's a really good team, but Texas, really good team as well, and, and their best player is not hurt. So we'll see what happens. What do you think, if any, the impact of no Bill Self, at least to start this tournament, on the sidelines for Kansas? I don't think there's much impact. I really yeah, I don't. don't. I mean, I, I think as long as they're they had a, they had a kid miss uh, with back spasms. I believe it was back spasms. Um, who I think is going to be back. Um, McCullen, I believe it was McClellan. I can't remember his name. It's Mick something. Um, and I think he's going to be back for Kansas as long as they're healthy. I, I don't think not having Bill Self for a game or two is going to be that big of a deal. Um, I mean, I don't think he's a like a great coach. I mean, I, he's he's obviously it's kind of weird to say that, but it's like we. I mean, I don't need to get into like all the reasons why they've landed players. We all know the backstory there. We all know the backstory. So I think they'll be fine. They recruit well. And I don't think it's necessarily Bill Self's X's and O's, which is why Kansas is good every year. Well, and they've done this a little bit in the, the Big 12 tournament. He missed some time there with, with what's going on. So they've at least experienced him not being on the sideline in, in these type of games. All right. Well, unless you have any other upsets you want to throw out to the people, uh, I think we can we can wrap this one up. No, I think I'm good. I mean, I'm trying to think. Right. Like, I mean, I do have I do have Oral Roberts beating Duke. Well, we know about, about Oral Roberts. One. We do we do know a thing or two about Oral Roberts here. Yeah, Duke's hot. I know, but like early on, they they weren't looking good. I didn't see much of the ACC tournament. I know they won it, so they're obviously like red hot coming in. But a lot of times, as we know, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. To, like, go deep in your own conference tournament, you know. A lot of times, that can go the opposite. Like, when Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts, what happened that year? They got all the way to the Big Ten championship game and lost to Illinois in, in like, overtime. Played great in the Big Ten tournament that year, Ohio State did, and then got beat by a 15 seed. So, I have Oral Roberts, and that Max Abemus is still there. Yes. Uh, and I have uh, Oral Roberts beating Duke, so – then I see a well, lot Duke, of people are, that are experts that have Duke making it all the way to the final four. So I'm thinking, ah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have made that pick, but got to pick some 12s over fives, right? Yeah. I mean, Duke is as talented per player as any team in the country. I saw it up close and personal when they played Ohio state this year. And, you know, maybe it's all finally come together for them here at the end of the season. And they made that run the ACC tournament, but it hasn't been what you would expect from this team. I mean, they've been better than their team down the road, but, uh, uh, it, it still hasn't been what, what anyone expected for the, for this group. I think the talent there should be a one, two seed and you see where they are at a five seed. So maybe it's all coming together, but again, maybe it's just, just not a good year. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to get ready. The, the tournament games are going to start here shortly. So I'm going to let Dave get to his watching and uh, I'm going to do the same. We didn't do this one live, so we don't have anyone in the comment section, but for those who uh, listen, watched, thank you. Please uh, like, subscribe, and uh, follow us on, on all of the social media accounts, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Dave, thank you very much for uh, taking your first day of March Madness to spend some time at the happy hour. Happy early St. Patrick's Day, the anniversary of when Ryan Day complimented my facial hair on the Zoom call. Well, that was Back great. In, they were trying to, for those who don't know, they were trying to wrap up ours. We had a Zoom um, press conference with Ryan Day. 2021. And, yeah, and um, they were ready to wrap it up. Like, I can't remember if it was Jerry Emig or Mike Basper who was running it that day, and they were getting ready to wrap up. Like, okay, thanks, everybody. And Ryan Day stopped them and said, can I interject? Can, can Patrick Murphy ask a question? He, he's got, like, the most St. Patrick's 
it was on St. Patrick's Day, and he's like, he's got the most like St. Patrick's name I've ever heard. So you got a question, and Ryan Day, I don't even know if you had a question queued up, but Ryan Day made sure you got a question in. I thought that was really cool. And you remember yeah. it. it I, I can see you light up when you're talking about it. So yeah, that was a pretty yeah. Cool moment. Yeah. I was I was wearing green. I had the beard was pretty long at that point. And um, yeah, I had already asked a question, which was funny, which shows how much Ryan Day pays attention to uh, to my questions. But well, I, had I, about just, that. I had forgotten about that too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd already asked a question. Fortunately, I had multiple written down. So I was ready to go with the second. Well, I was pretty much ready to go with the second one. And uh, yeah, but that was a, that was a fun experience. Anyway, thanks everybody again for, for listening. Check out Buck Nuts. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Recruiting, inside info, all that good stuff. Dave, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. The Buckeyes are back out on the field. Next week's a busy week. We've got two days of interviews. We've got Pro Day on Wednesday. So we'll have plenty of stuff. And at some point I'll get to listen through all this linebacker stuff and we'll write some linebacker stuff. We haven't gotten to that yet. But, Dave, again, thank you very much. And um, Buckeye fans. Bucknutters, cheers. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.